0: Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. focusing on kindling kinship during this current series, because relationships are really formational. They form us, they shape us. So how do we get the most out of the forming and shaping they do for us and out of those relationships themselves? Last week, Ophelia, talked with us about the importance of love in kinship. And she shared this framework from bell hooks, that love is actually, love is kind of a vague term that we use for a lot of things, but a helpful framework is that love is care, love is affection, love is recognition, love is respect, love is commitment, love is trust, and honest and open communication. And I would argue that growth, which we're talking about today, comes when love is based in these things. So I have a funny word to teach you. It's an Aramaic word, and you probably have never heard of it, but it is a formational idea in Christianity. It's called Ihidiya which is the single one. And in um, the history of Christianity, Jesus has been called the the single one, and that's been the celibate one. And the line of celibacy as the ideal in Christianity has been based on this idea that Jesus was single, priests should be single, singleness is the highest pathway towards spiritual enlightenment. But the experts that I'm learning from say that we got it wrong to start with, because Ichidiya actually is about a fusion of being, a oneness in ourselves, that Jesus was one, that Jesus was whole, that Jesus was an integrated person, and in his oneness, that is the model that we should be following, not a celebration that we can live in the way of Jesus as an integrated person, as an enlightened person, as a person with our values and our actions being one philosophy So, you might not be surprised that today I'm also gonna talk about Mary Magdalene. So, even though, speaking of Jesus singleness, Um, And even though it's not explicit in the Bible, there's always been this oral tradition that Mary was Jesus' special companion, right? You've heard that before. It's not like, I've never heard that as a possibility. And there's even a word for it. In the Gospel of Philip that we're going to read, which was found with the Nakamadi collection in 1945, Jesus is called Koinonos. Companion, Jesus, koinonos. sometimes translated as partner or spouse. It's it's a word. When you translate words, they have more than one meaning. English is a different language, and therefore there's not direct translations for lots of things. But let's hear these words this um, from the Gospel of Philip. There were three who always walked with the Lord, Mary his mother, the sister of his mother, and Miriam of Magdala, known as his companion, Poinonos. For him, Miriam is a sister, a mother, and a wife, Poinonos. And then in 55, Logion 55, it says, The companion, Poinonos, of the son is Miriam of Magdala. The teacher loved her more than all the disciples. He often kissed her on the mouth. Okay, stop. (laughs) That's what it says. But it doesn't just mean passionate kissing. It means they breathed as one. They shared the same spirit. The word for spirit and for kissing in Hebrew is about spirit. And also in Greek. And in Aramaic, the word for spirit is the word for breath. So all of these things are connected. When the disciples saw how he loved Miriam, they asked him, Why do you love her more than us? The teacher answered with a question, How can it be that I do not love you as much as I love her? Just like Jesus. Always answering a question with a question. So, before you go into your inner dialogue for all the arguments why it's not possible or not proper for Jesus to be, for Mary to be Jesus koinonos, let's pause for a minute and deal with that. One of those ideas is that Jesus was ichidaya, single, asexual, right? That's an idea that's been sort of planted in your mind and you've thought about Jesus in that way maybe your whole life. Jesus was single. Jesus was celibate. That's an idea that we have. Also, we have this idea that Jesus was a fully formed divine human being who learned nothing during his time because he knew everything to begin with. Right? When he was born, he knew everything. And therefore, he didn't have to develop through his life. He just knew everything to begin with. So nobody had to teach him anything. These are two ideas that probably are somewhere in your head, and even if you don't agree with those ideas, they're ones that you argue with in your mind, because they've been planted there and they've done a lot of rooting in your way of thinking. So all of that being said, I do not think it's helpful to get stuck on Mary and Jesus being married and having a sexual relationship. And you know why? Because of patriarchy. Because if Mary was Jesus, was that to Jesus? Then she couldn't be his intellectual equal. We have this idea that if if Mary had sex with Jesus, then well, that's all she was. She couldn't be anything else because that's what women in that if that's if she's that kind of person, then she couldn't be this kind of person. So I think it's quite unhelpful to get stuck. In what their relationship was, except that I think that they had a relationship of conscious love. More on that in a minute. And see this lovely picture? Yeah, go back. This is um, Janet Mackenzie's the one cent, Mary Magdalene with Jesus the Christ. Who are, don't they look like equals? Like, they're there together, and they're holding the same sacredness in their hands. Um, many call Mary Magdalene the lineage bearer of Jesus. This is not that she had his children. This is that the, lot, the wisdom that he imparted was given to her to pass on. She was the apostle to the apostles, and the other apostles you might have— um, Notice didn't get it very much. But here from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus said, I do not call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because I have everything I heard from my father, I have made known to you. It was not Jesus goal to keep the secret, goodness, enlightenment for himself, but to pass on all that he knew to those who would pass it on to others. So, what can we learn from the relationship that Jesus and Mary had as I'm imagining it? This is all imagination, right? I'm not claiming that I know these things to be true. I'm not. We're just imagining like many, many people have done for thousands of years. So, I think that the path towards our growth in relationship is modeled by Mary and Jesus. The path of conscious love in the wisdom tradition of Christianity. John Wellwood explains it we could welcome its power to wake us up in areas of life where we are asleep and where we avoid naked, direct contact with life. This approach puts us on a path. It commits us to movement and change, providing forward direction by showing us where we most need to grow. Embracing relationship as a path also gives us a practice Learning to use the difficulty along the way as an opportunity to go further, to connect more deeply, not just with a partner, but with our own aliveness as well. So many who speak about the path of conscious love do so in the context of marriage or intimate partnership. and. This may be the relationship where an intentional way of being has the potential to be transformative, right? But I think it's also possible in familial relationships and in friendships. And as I thought Ophelia pointed out last week so appropriately,
1: marriage
0: is emphasized in society as a productive relationship, right? Right? We need people to get married and have children so that we can be productive members of society. And that's not really Jesus' aim, It's to make us productive members of society. Jesus was not for traditional marriage, contrary to what you may have heard. Jesus had radical ideas about who was his family, and maybe even seem to be working them out through his life based on different things he said about this. So to me, the path of conscious love is one of radical mutual transformation. It's only possible in a relationship where both people are willing to be challenged by each other. So here's a little truth. When I get worked up about something, And I am sharing about this with someone that I love, maybe someone I live with, maybe someone I've been married to for 18 years. I want to be validated. I want that person to say to me, you're right, they're wrong, of course you know exactly what you're talking about, (laughs) and that's just awful that that ever happened to you. Do you know what happens sometimes? says to me, well, maybe you could think about your role in that situation, or maybe what they meant was actually this, or have you thought about this other way of seeing it? So irritating. (laughs) But it is something that I'm grateful for after it happens, right? Like after I have that experience, I think, yeah, it's good to have a different perspective on that situation, or to see things in a different light, or to grow out of my own ways and cycles of being that are actually not very healthy. I might do that sometimes to him. (laughs) When I'm pushed and prodded, I irritatingly grow, right? That's kind of what The seeds have to (laughs) break open, and sometimes that's not very nice. Cynthia Borges-Cho says that conscious love relationships are not easy ones. They bring up the shadow work through the process of mirroring ourselves back to us, so that we can see ourselves. She also says that not all relationships have high potential of offering this kind of mutual transformation. And I would say after 21 years of relationship that there are times in my life and my relationships where there's more potential and where there's less for transformation and for growth. Usually because there's other things in my life that are, or in our life together in that relationship that are challenging to us. I would also say that I don't think that this is only possible with a spouse or with a partner. I think it's also possible with friends who have been our friends for maybe long there are people that we are in relationship in our lives that we're with longer than any other relationship by the end of our life that have no official relationship with us. We just call them friend. There's lots of different kinds of friends in our lives, but there are friends that are above and beyond that can be our partner in the path of conscious love. Also, I think it's possible with familial relationships to be in a relationship that challenges and um, helps us grow, and that's a gift that we don't all take for granted. That you're, that our family of origin is a place that we feel safe to be challenged and changed and grow and share with one another. But it is possible. It is a gift. So I challenge you to be as transparent and honest with someone in your life about your struggles and your dreams and your desires to be different. And on this Pride Weekend, I invite all of us to come out. To be who we really are. With those we love and trust the most. To ask deep questions of the people that we love. To share vulnerably with one another. And to choose one person that you can work on deepening a relationship with. Look for people who are your koinonos. And love them deeply. May it be so. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.